To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this second Sunday in Advent is the gospel for today. You heard it read before from Luke chapter 3. I recall just these words. It was at the time when Annas and Caiaphas were chief priests that God spoke to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who came in Bethlehem's manger, who comes to us across the pages of Holy Scripture, and who will come again in glory on the last day my beloved. Raise your hand if you know the difference between the opener and the headliner. Three, four, five, six, seven, Wow, it's interesting. Um, And um, I see a lot of youth raising their hands out there, too. If you are young or maybe not so young and have gone to concerts and uh, to see the latest uh, either rock or pop star or the, the latest band, the opener is the group, the band that comes before the main act that the audience really came to see. First of all, the band plays that isn't really known too well to sort of get the audience settled in, to get them eager to see the star. As we take a look at John the Baptist this morning, we see that he was the opener to prepare the world for the headliner, the star, our Lord Jesus. Now, John's task was prophesied many, many years before Isaiah, 700 years, Malachi, 400 years. Isaiah said, a voice cries out in the desert, clear a way for the Lord, make a straight highway in the wilderness for our God. Mountains will be lowered, valleys raised, steep places leveled, rough places made smooth. Malachi, 400 years before Christ, speaking for God. God says, I'm going to send my messenger and he will clear the way ahead of me. And then it's kind of interesting that John the Baptist's own father, uh, the day that John was born, spoke these words. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go ahead of the Lord to prepare his way. You will make his people know they can be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. And Luke tells us he lived in the desert. And we hear also from Luke today, he spoke to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. So there we see John as a recluse, a hermit, out there in the desert. In fact, he probably left for the desert to uh, stay in sort of a monastic life 
probably when he was a teenager, maybe earlier than that. John was the opener years before electronics, uh, when some kind of dignitary was going to come to your town like the king, you would have a herald run ahead of the king's entourage. Maybe days, maybe even a half a month, maybe a month before, and say, the king is ready, the king, the king is coming, get ready, get ready, the king is coming. Prepare the way. I wonder how it would be for us members here at Beautiful Savior if some major world dignitary was going to be worshiping with us on Sunday here, what would we do to get our church ready? What would we change? John's responsibility was always to shed the spotlight on the headliner, the star who was coming. And in so doing, he was going to have to do some road construction to fix the roads into their hearts. John had a twofold message. He proclaimed his message by the way that he lived. He proclaimed his message by the things that he said. John preached the message to the people by how he lived. John was a Levite. That means that he uh, was the son of a temple priest. And if you were the son of a temple priest, you had no choice as to what your vocation was going to be You had to be a priest. Where do we find John? Not in the temple. Out in the desert. Not wearing white linen like the priests, but camel skins. Not sacrificing animals, but baptizing people. Not eating the choice meat from the sacrifice but out there sort of with a subsistence diet of grasshoppers and wild honey. By John's lifestyle, God was saying, no more priests, no more sacrifices. That's all over with. God gave visual aids to his people by the priesthood and by the sacrifices. The priests were go-between. God was giving a picture. You people, you're too sinful. You can't go to God directly in prayer. You need a go-between, a priest. And I, God, am too holy to talk to you directly, you sinners. So I'll talk to the priests, and they'll talk to you. And then the sacrifices were visual aids. God was saying, some blood has to be shed, and something has to die as a substitute for you, because you should be dying for your sins, to take away your sins. John, by his life, was preaching no more priests, no more sacrifices, because the priest, the high priest, Jesus Christ was coming. He would also be the sacrifice for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifices. He himself the victim, himself the priest. John also prepared the way for the Messiah by what he said. He said, repent, change the way that you think and act because you're thinking right now and everything in your heart is all wrong. You got to change. Well, what was their wrong thinking? Well, they were espousing the wrong religion. They went around saying, we got an in with God because we are descendants of Abraham and we keep all the rules of Moses. John said, repent, you're going to have to change that way of thinking. 
And I'm sure many times when John was out there in the wilderness, there was not a smile on his face. He was frowning, you poisonous vipers. You see, John was there to do some road construction. Any of you still remember what Route 66 is? Used to be a serial on TV by that name. Route 66 was that single-lane highway that ran from the Midwest all the way out to California. If you wanted to go take a straight shot, that's the way you went. Single lane. Today, that highway is all sort of messed up. You go there if you want to look at a relic. It wasn't until after World War II, after Eisenhower, our president, came home from war that he saw what Hitler had done with that freeway system over there in Germany. He said, we've got to have that too. Now we can get on those freeways and just fly by. John the Baptist came to change Route 66 to I-94. The hearts of the people were all stony, clogged with obstacles. There were mountains of pride and self-righteousness. There were potholes of desperation. God could never love me, a sinner. There were crooked uh, uh, roads. I can live any way and do anything that I want. John told them that they were sinners and they need a Savior. Once they recognized that they were sinners and they needed a Savior, then they were ready for him to stretch out his arm and point, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What happened there when he preached that message? The people's hearts changed from unbelief to faith. In fact, that's what the word repent actually means is to be going in one direction, make 180 and go in the other direction. Because when you and I were born, we were on the road to hell. And so God called us. Many of us, you don't even remember that first time you repented, turned around because it was at your baptism, a little splash of water on your head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're on your way to heaven. In fact, converting from unbelief to faith is called repentance, capital R. But capital R never stands by itself. It's always followed by repentance, small r. Because you see, faith shows itself, repentance shows itself in daily living. After the people came to faith, they said, well, what should we do? John the Baptist told him, well, you're going to change your lives too to reflect what's in your hearts now. If you have something to share and you see poor people, share it. If you happen to have two shirts and you see that somebody has none, give them one. And you tax collectors that you've been cheating your own people because you're hired by the Romans and they're not paying you enough, don't cheat your people anymore. And you Roman soldiers, you occupiers, treat the people with kindness. Be satisfied with your pay. Don't blackmail anybody. What about us? Well, I mentioned before, you started first time your repentance when you were baptized. God turned you from unbelief to a believer. Do you ever think about that? For your repentance, capital R, God gets all the credit? He converted you by the power of His Word through the Holy Spirit. And yet He still loves you as His child. But then you see there's also repentance, small r. 
And we've got to concentrate on that too so that we don't fall into the trap of those listeners before John the Baptist, before their conversion. Oh, I went to Sunday school years ago. I remember that day I dressed up in a white gown. I'm sort of good to go. I know my name's on some roster, some congregation somewhere. I don't know if it's Lutheran or Christian or whatever. I'm good to go. Sad story about one of my classmates, one of my best friends in Lutheran grade school. We grew up, parted ways in high school, sort of uh, found each other again in college. He was living a godless life. I said, what are you doing? He says, I know all that stuff. He could recite the catechism, but he didn't live it. You see, you become members of God's kingdom, not by what you did years ago. And nobody can believe for you. And you can't claim that your parents are believers and so you're good to go. Because faith always comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you are a child of God, it shows itself in your daily living. Repentance, small r. You want to know about some acts of repentance? Mercy ministry sheet. We hand it out. These are all acts of repentance on here. Ash Wednesday leftovers from bundles to two elderly member families, one family with a newborn, one to a lone neighbor who is a veteran with health problems. Meal delivered to a family whose mom and two daughters survived a serious car accident. Gift cards from a local diner for an elderly uh, member couple on a fixed income who are not able to cook anymore due to health concerns. Acts of repentance. Almost every morning, uh, Thursday morning, we have another acts of repentance going on here at Beautiful Savior when the quilters come. They didn't have to do that. They love to do blankets for the needy. Acts of repentance. Another part, uh, acts of repentance, I think is always found in our bulletin. And it's the most overlooked part of our bulletin. It's the prayer page. St. Paul encourages us to pray for one another. We need to spend some time on this prayer page. I know it's so small, you've got to get a magnifying glass. So get your magnifying glass and maybe spend some time, you know, even in the evening while you're falling asleep. I don't think you can make it halfway through the page. Acts of repentance. Sometimes we need to repent verbally and thoughtfully by confessing our sins. What sins? Dr. Martin Luther in the Catechism says, Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? And for some of those things, we can say, guilty as charged, Lord, forgive me, and then to be assured of forgiveness. And then you change your lifestyle and go on another day and repent and repent and repent. 
And you know, when it comes right down to it, our lifestyle, our lives of repentance, God gets all the credit for that too because he brought us to faith and he gives us all of our faculties by which we please him and yet he loves us as his children. You know, every time I take a look at this uh, story of John the Baptist, I always wonder, was he successful? Because you see, he was the opener. And as he was baptizing, he gained some disciples right out there with him was Peter, James, John, uh, Philip, Nathaniel. And then Jesus came along. And what did he do? He told his disciples, you go follow Jesus. You see, he's the star. And they would follow him. So as time went on, John lost all of his disciples because they followed Jesus. And then there were 12. And then there were 70. And then there were 120. And on Pentecost, there were 3,000. And after Pentecost, there were 5,000. And then they went out into the whole world. And then they came to America. And then they came to Wisconsin and Milwaukee and 3205 North 85th Street and to you. Because John pointed them to Jesus, who is your Savior. Yeah, when it comes right down to it, God gets all the credit for your repentance. Capital R. Changed us from unbelievers to believers. Gets credit for our repentance. Small r. Those evidences of our faith in our lives every day. Thank God for John the Baptist. The opener who prepared the way for the headliner, the Lamb of God. I just have to read these uh, words from John chapter 3. What did, what did John actually preach out there? Besides you vipers and repent and everything else, John chapter 3. John answered, people can't receive anything unless it has been given to them from heaven. You are witnesses that I said I'm not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. The groom is the person to whom the bride belongs. The best man who stands and listens to him is overjoyed when the groom speaks. This is the joy that I feel. He must increase in importance while I must decrease in importance. The person who comes from above is superior to everyone. I, a person from earth, know nothing but what is on earth. And that's all I can talk about. The person who comes from heaven is superior to everyone and tells what he has seen and heard. Yet no one accepts what he says. I have accepted what that person said, and I have affirmed that God is truthful. The man whom God has sent speaks God's message. After all, God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything in his power. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. What a sermon. What a message from John the Baptist. May our God-given repentance move us to be like that tax collector in Jesus' illustration, who when he went into the temple, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and then go home. And be justified and forgiven by the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that includes you too.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith this morning in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time together our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs> 